0: When Heather was 12, she went to camp.
1: Camp Manitomono, 1982. Friday night, July 2nd. Dear Diary, this is a brief resume of today's activities. Morning dip, breakfast, cabin clean, canoes, free swim, lunch, horizontal, crafts, war canoe, what fun, we had a water fight with the Senecas. Free swim, dinner, lecture, tuck, night activity, which was bingo, kaibo, teeth, and last but not least, Frenching at the fork with Paul. be honest, it was only my second time Frenching. I should do it more often.
0: That's Heather reading from the camp diary she kept when she was 12. And this... This is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. I'm Dan Meisner. Grownups Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids is exactly what it sounds like. Brave adults on stage sharing the weird, wonderful, and sometimes embarrassing things they wrote when they were younger. This time, recorded live at the garrison in Toronto, we have a pet bald eagle, a war between Canada and China, and Frenching. For some reason, we have a lot of French kissing in this one. This stuff is funny, it is odd, and in some cases, it has a lot to tell us about who we are today. So think about the stuff that you wrote when you were a kid, and stick around.
2: This episode
3: is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics in Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try
2: it free.
0: A minute ago, we heard from Heather, who spent the summer of 1982 kissing a guy named Paul. Well, Heather brought along more from that camp diary. Here she is, picking up the story right where she left off. The moment immediately after kissing Paul.
1: Anyway, when we were finished, I opened my eyes and the kitchen girl, Karen, was standing right beside me. I was so embarrassed. Then my cousin Jay came out from behind a tree and said, How can you neck that long without breathing? (laughs) Nothing much else happened today. Sunday, July 4th. Dear diary, we had carnival night last night and there was a kissing booth. I went back for seconds and thirds. <laughs> then Paul and I Frenched at the fork again. This time, nobody caught us. But Paul is kind of chauvinistic. He thinks girls can't do anything. Who cares? I still like him. <laughs> oh yeah.
2: It's true. It's a
1: true story. Um, oh yeah. Yvonne got her ghetto blaster back today. <laughs> and Brenda and I found this secret place behind our cabin on the rocks. Practically everyone in our cabin likes either Chris Sharp or Alex Riley. My new nickname is Mouth.
4: <laughs> Not because of the kissing, because I talk too much. It's true. Okay. <laughs> Sorry.
1: Monday, July 5th. Last night, Paul and I were in a fight because he was paying more attention to Sue than to me. Sue felt really bad and said she thought she was breaking us up. Then after, he got mad at me just because I wouldn't make out with him at the fork. (laughs) Then he had the nerve to ask Sue to go out with him. I was really, really mad. But now we're back together and everything's okay, I hope.
2: (laughs) Self-respect.
1: Okay, uh, Tuesday, (laughs) Tuesday, July 6th. Paul broke up with me at the lunar eclipse. He gave a note to Corey, who gave it to me. He said that I was avoiding him and not making out with him at the fork. I would never dump someone just because they wouldn't make out with me. This morning he told me he was ready to give us another chance. I said I'd think about it, but I know I don't want
2: to.
0: Heather wasn't the only teenager who had to negotiate the complex world of kissing etiquette. Our next reader, Chelsea, had her first kiss when she was 13. And leading up to it, she had a conversation with her kissing partner over MSN Messenger. Now, before we hear from Chelsea, two quick notes. First, when Chelsea read this on stage at our Toronto show, she read it Verbatim, including cuss words. And second, because this is a chat transcript from MSN Messenger, there's a lot of back and forth. But I think you're going to be able to tell who's who, because Chelsea read the whole thing in character.
5: The low uh, boyish voice that I'm going to use is going to be him, obviously. Um, And the high girly voice will be me. So what have you done with the guy? Uh, Kissing, but not kissing. LOL. Make out, eh? Yeah. Yo, let's make out. Ha ha ha. Uh, yeah, okay. Winky face. (laughs) Ha ha ha. Are you joking? I don't know what you think. (laughs) I don't know. LOL, I'm joking. (laughs) Boo. LOL. (laughs) How come? Oh, I don't know, but like, I don't know. Oh, you put me on the spot. Let's make out, Jen. You aren't joking, are you? No, let's go, ha ha. Oh, well, what if I sucked, huh? You wouldn't, don't worry. Oh, well. <laughs> you want to tomorrow? Yeah, but no, huh? Yes, but no, I do, but I don't. (laughs) How come you do and you don't? Okay, well, cause one day, well, obviously, but I don't know, it's just so expected. Like that's what ruined it for me before, LOL. (laughs) Okay, I'll come to your school tomorrow. Let's do shit tomorrow, dude. Hey, I'm not easy, though, okay? I'm just saying that now. People think that, I know. But, yeah, just saying it. (laughs) What you mean you's not easy? Easy to get? Like, I'm not going to do shit simply because someone wants me to. LOLs. Well, okay. Hey, what if I grabbed your ass? What would you do? (laughs) Move your hand? If you... (laughs) if you want the booty, you're going to have to work
2: for it. <laughs>
0: In case you were wondering, yes, they made out the very next day. After the show, out on the street, I asked Chelsea if she had any advice for 13-year-old her.
5: Mm, part of me wants to use say just do it. Um, (laughs) Another part of me wants to say don't save this conversation on a floppy disk for your mom to find (laughs) because that's what happens.
6: Did that happen?
5: Oh it happened. I was grounded for a year. I had to delete all the boys off of MSN. (laughs)
0: The whole idea for Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids came out of a trip my wife Jenna and I took to visit her parents back in 2006. It was Christmas time and, as usual, we were sleeping in her childhood bedroom. And, as usual, on this trip home, Jenna's parents asked her to please, please clean up the boxes of stuff she still had in their basement. That's where we first came across her teenage diary and... Shortly thereafter, grown-ups read things they wrote as kids was born. Well, our next reader, Joshua, had a similar experience. On a recent visit with his parents, Joshua's mom told him to clean up his childhood bedroom. He did, and in the process, he found his diary. And he told me that at first, he was a little bit disappointed, because a lot of the early entries were kind of boring. But then he caught the very first grumblings of puberty, and that's when things got interesting. Here's Joshua reading from the diary he kept when he was 11.
6: Last night I had a dream. <laughs> Me and Jared, who's my best friend at the time, were at this very nice place, kind of like a club med. I'd never been to Club Med. <laughs> we meet these girls at a drive-in. <laughs> All all club meds have drive-ins. <laughs> one of them is a really really, really pretty chick <laughs> and very nice. And she's single. <laughs> Me and Jared go crazy over her. <laughs> but Jared he goes overboard and bites all the girls' breasts. <laughs> I I stick up for the pretty one. <laughs> and she begins to like me. Soon we're kissing on the lips and we're going on tons of dates. One day she has a fight with her roommate and she asks if she can sleep in my bed with me. I said, okay. I lent her my pillow and I give her most of the bed. Smooth, right? (laughs) And, of course, we have sex. (laughs) The next day, we're back at the (laughs) drive-in, watching a movie. She begins to hypnotize me with her finger, moving it back and forth. I follow her finger, and she laughs, and I laugh, and then I wake up. And I was in a good mood, because this is probably really going to happen soon. Yes, I also like Alana, <laughs> and Emily, <laughs> and Jackie, and Megan, and then it goes on for a little... <laughs> Thank you.
0: Joshua wrote that diary entry when he was 11. You might call him an early bloomer. Whereas our next reader, Beth she got a later start in love. And to prove it, she brought along some teenage poetry written between the ages 13 and 16.
7: Uh, Unlike some of the stories we've heard tonight, I was a late bloomer in love. And so all of these poems are from before I had ever had a boyfriend or been on a date or kissed anyone. So they're mostly about unrequited love. I'm so afraid. I don't understand these feelings you've made me feel... I don't know. What should I do? I'm afraid my feelings show. I don't know what's wrong. Why I feel this, but I know I can't go on. (laughs) Whenever I see you, I wonder, are you the one? When we talk at school, laugh at stuff you say, I wonder, are you the one? (laughs) I want to get to know you, but I'm so afraid. I wonder... Are you the one? (laughs) So scared I'll hurt you, or maybe you'll hurt me. I wonder. Are you the one? I see your imperfections, but they're so outweighed. I wonder, are you the one? The one to hold me tight, always be there for me? I wonder, are you the one? The one to make me laugh and to stop my tears? I wonder... Are you the one?
3: (laughs) Hi, this is Beth, reader of Are You the One? If I could meet teenage Beth and tell her a few things about love and being a late bloomer, The first thing that I would tell her is that it's okay to feel all the feelings and to be confused and to be uncertain and you're gonna be okay. The second thing that I would tell her is that maybe her idea of love could use a little expanding. Um, I got married last month, a week shy of my 30th birthday and this is definitely the first relationship I've been in where I have been loved and I have loved in the way that I would call actual love. And it looks nothing like what teenage Beth thought it would look like. So I think I would just want to encourage her to look around her, maybe look at real life a little bit more, a little less at Hollywood or young adult novels fairy tales and and that love is an amazing thing but it's not gonna look like the one in the way that she thinks.
0: When our next reader, Oliver, was five, he wrote and illustrated his very first story. He drew all the pictures himself, but was still a little too young to write the whole thing down. So he dictated his story to his mother. And I can only imagine what she was thinking at the time because the title of Oliver's first story The Wars of China and Canada <laughs> End. Please welcome to the stage, Oliver.
9: So uh, before I start, I'll just let you all know an important fact. Right as I was about to write this story, I was uh, being taught about the value of saving your allowance so you could buy your own toys. And it's not obvious at the start, but that's kind of the root of this whole story. Okay. It all started under the Earth's crust. There was a savage war between China and Canada. The sun rose into outer space, and so did the moon, and it was all dark all around the world. Then... China created the monsters from the water mines under the Earth's crust, and they created the dark monsters from the darkness of the world. Canada created two powerful glowing pink men, and then they created the... (gasps) And then they created the sun men from the sun. Wars went on, many got killed and came alive again because they were creatures that never die. After a while, the battle ended, and then China and Canada shared their food. They learned how to be friends. But unfortunately, one day, Canada sprayed chemicals on their plants to keep bugs away. But Canada made a very serious mistake. The chemicals created terrible pink men. Then China did the same thing and created bad purple men. The bad creatures they created had a war once more. The earth exploded, and people were floating around in the galaxy from their dead world. But then... God created Earth once more with gases and some other stuff. (laughs) He said, go back to your world and have no more wars. Have peace. He sounded like Hulk Hogan, I guess. Brother. Um, but (laughs) But the Canadian people got mixed up and went to China accidentally, and the Chinese sort of mixed up and went to Canada. They all tried to take planes back to their own places, but... They had to save their allowances for the tickets. (laughs) The end.
0: As I mentioned, Oliver wrote and illustrated that story when he was five years old. And if you want to see what Canada's powerful glowing pink men look like... I have good news for you. Oliver made a video featuring his own original illustrations, and we've posted a copy up at our website, Grownups Read Things They Wrote As Kids.com. That's also where you can listen to past episodes of the show and sign up for our mailing list, so you'll be the first to know about upcoming live shows. Powerful glowing pink men and an email newsletter? I don't know what else you could ask for in a website. One more time grown-ups read things they wrote as kids.com
4: please mom don't read this <laughs> if you do all my trust in you will be totally lost please don't asterisk unless you have my permission
0: that's marcia reading a warning from the beginning of a diary entry she wrote when she was 14. now why you might be wondering why did marcia not want her mom to read her diary well that's going to become obvious in a minute or so here's marcia
4: thursday 21st of june 1990 a.d i am (laughs) totally I am totally, well pretty much totally, in love with Chris Beardmore. He's okay-ish good-looking, and I don't know what his personality is like. (laughs) Apart from the fact that he's headstrong and perverted. (laughs) Two very bad combinations. So you're thinking, why does this guy make her feel faint? turn her knees to jelly, set off little fireworks inside her heart at the mention of his name? Why? Listen to his voice and you'll find out. (laughs) Canadian accent. (laughs) That's why. A Canadian accent in England is the most horniest cutest thing ever heard. (laughs) The first time I ever met him, Good Friday, 1990, he asked me out. We exchanged phone numbers. He has been living here for three years and after telling him to call me, I unexpectedly went to Bristol for most of that week. Not having the guts to call him from Bristol, in brackets, I wouldn't normally admit it, but this is a diary that hopefully no one will read. (laughs) So when I got back on the Friday, I called him, and half because I was embarrassed and half because I really couldn't be pissed to talk to him. I just said, hi, Chris, can't talk for long, but can you come up tonight? Yeah, brilliant, bye. Up meaning up to the Heath. Everyone goes up to Black Heath around the Hare and Billet pub, smokes and drinks and gets high and gets off with people. <laughs> And this time I get pissed, and of course C takes advantage and first undoes my bra and then tries to get me to take first my T-shirt and then my knickers off. And then there's an asterisk and it says, if my mum reads this, I'm very, very dead. (laughs) Nice, huh? Well, as I was pissed, when he tried to take off my knickers as I was pissed, I said... Um, no, no, no. And then I said, if you try to do that one more time, I'll bite your ear. (laughs) So he did, and I bit his ear. And then he he said, ow, you're hurting me, in a very cute accent. (laughs) So I said, well, you're hurting me. Then, as I was pissed, I went and got off with three different people that
7: night. (laughs)
4: see him then for about another five weeks and one night, last weekish, Lawrence, his friend, the tosser said, oh yeah, Chris is leaving on Saturday to go back to Canada to live there again and my memory was jerked and I fell hopelessly in love again at the thought of him. Oh, then Lawrence, the tosser, said yeah, he really wants to get laid before he goes. Go on, I'll pay you. (laughs) Nah, he's a bit of a tosser. (laughs) So basically, I'm in love with a very cute, headstrong pervert who's friends with a tosser. Fab. (laughs) Oh, I've just gone completely off the point there. But I don't want to ask him out because I've already been out with him and I didn't like it. (laughs) And because he's going back to Canada in two days. I wrote him a letter saying goodbye and come on Friday and here's my address. Write to me from Canada. I'm a good agony aunt, which is total bollocks. But if he has a problem, I'll discuss it with all my friends. So hopefully he'll come on Friday and hopefully my mum will let me go.
0: Between Chelsea's MSN transcript and Marsha's diary entry here, we are learning some very important lessons about consent tonight. When you're growing up, it's easy to feel like an outsider, that you're weird, different from everybody else, that you're the only one feeling a certain way. And I think that's part of the magic of revisiting this material, of looking back at this kind of writing in a public way. It's a reminder that the feelings and experiences we have as kids are more common and universal than we ever thought at the time. For instance, the conflicted teenage boy crazy feelings Marcia wrote about in 1990 in London are not that different from our next reader, Susan, who wrote about her conflicted teenage boy crazy feelings in 1967. In Moose Jaw. Here's Susan reading from the diary she kept when she was 15 and struggling with her tumultuous relationship with a boy named Archie.
1: Sunday, the 18th. Jay and I send notes all day. I really like Archie. I can't help it. Jealous of everyone as usual. 17th. Love Archie more each day. He loves my body, that's all. 20th, gym club. Archie actually talked to me, said he would try me out to see if I was dirty. Creep. I love him.
0: Many of the readers at our Toronto show spent their childhood and teenage years thinking about dating and kissing. And while some kids were fantasizing about love, other kids fantasized about adventures with Canadian wildlife. Here's Matt with a story he wrote when he was nine years old and in grade four and was printed out on a dot matrix printer. It's called Bird Story.
8: When I returned from my trip to Zimbabwe, I went on a hike down the Grand hunting for martins and coons. I was thinking about the chief in Zimbabwe who said, Matt, you will get a great gift when you return home. I've always wanted a bald eagle. I was thinking of what I could train it for. I was looking at the water in the river, and all of a sudden, there it was. My gift was in the reflection of the water. It was a bald eagle. It came down and landed on my shoulder. It seemed like we knew each other already. I said to the bird, what should I call you? I know, Spirit. That's what I will call you. Come Spirit, I called, we left for home. I wonder what my parents would say when they saw Spirit. (laughs) When we got home, my parents said I would have to keep Spirit in my treehouse. I agreed with them. I'll have to train him the scent of fish, coons, and martens so he can hunt for me. I took him to the tree house on my shoulder and I left him there. The next day I went to see him. I couldn't find him. I couldn't find spirit. I didn't tell my parents anyway. It was six o'clock in the morning. I went burning down the street on my bike. I headed for Devil's Cave. I locked my bike around a tree. I whistled as loud as possible. Spirit, I called my bird, my voice echoed. I heard a screech, but I didn't know if it was him or another bird. Nope, it wasn't him, it was a brown-headed hawk. I think I was studying the Canadian Shield at the time. I searched down the shallower part of the river. There he was, his wing was covering three cute bobcats. Now why would bobcats be doing in this part of Canada, I thought to myself. There was a loud screech from Spirit. In his eyes, sort of told me that to stay away until he let them go. After Spirit let them go, he flew on my shoulder and I left for home. One afternoon, I went hunting with my neighbor, Chuck. He drove down in his car. It was quite early, so the coons would be out. Bang, a loud sound went off. It was a gun. There was a long pause. I ran towards where Spirit was. There was Mr. Sampson, the man that lived behind us who didn't like Spirit. Spirit was shot in the wing. It will heal, Chuck told me. (laughs) Spirit had a bandage on his wing for a few weeks. The weeks passed on and Spirit and I kept up the hunting. It was August and the summer was almost over. One day, Spirit and I went hunting for it was the last week of summer and I needed the money. (coughs) so we caught Coons by the minute. (laughs) Spirit circled above and by the edge of the river was Mr. Sampson with his gun, question mark. He went to fire at Spirit, then Mr. Sampson fell into the water. The current was fast. Spirit swooped down and picked up Mr. Sampson into the air and carried him to safety. When I got up the hill, I saw Spirit with Mr. Sampson. Thank you, Max, Mr. Sampson said. My name's changed at the end of the story. Don't thank me, thank Spirit, I told him. Spirit and I left home in the sunset.
0: into eagles in this.
8: I have no idea what it, where the bald eagle came from. I think I went down the list of like cool animals in the Canadian Shield and I picked what would be the most like majestic to have and then I picked a raccoon for some reason to hunt to make money for the during the summer because that's what kids did in
0: 1988, right? Is <laughs> hunted raccoons and sold their pelts for money.
8: Exactly. Yes, in the 80s, that was very popular, I'm pretty sure. <laughs>
0: That is grownups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. Our show is recorded live at the Garrison in Toronto. Our music is by Poddington Bear. And if you want to find out when we're coming to your town for a live show, sign up for our email newsletter or listen to past episodes, just visit our website, Grown Read Things They Wrote As Kids dot com. That's GrownUps Read Things They Wrote As Kids dot com. I'm Dan Meisner. Thanks for listening.